And what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Bear Down Sports Association podcast, episode 84. Your host, C.J. Savaro, joined alongside me, Commissioner Brandon Kurtzman, and my father, Tommy Savaro. Kurtzman, how are we doing today, brother? Another day, another dollar, you know, just getting everything. <laughs> That's your intro? That's your intro? Another yeah. day, another yeah. dollar? Another day, another dollar, you know, just going. We, we got, I was doing all the stats, cutting film, you know, do, while also trying to do my real job, so... um no, just another day. Can't wait to uh, get done with this podcast. <laughs> nice. Dad, how are you feeling today? I feel good. I think when you introduced me, though, you should. There are a lot of new guys in the league and really don't know who I am. So maybe if you throw in four or three times, okay. you know, everyone will get to know exactly who I am and what I'm about. All right. Let's talk about week two recap this week. Kurtzman, anything that we want to say before we start talking about the games? Any announcements? Any news? Anything going on here? Listen, all great leaders understand when they make a mistake oh and, my God. and we are admitting to a mistake. Um, the no diving rule has been too involved, I should say, in outcomes of games, big plays and stuff like that. So listen, dive, but just dive downward. Don't let's not kick our feet up and accidentally crack somebody in the face. Um, be safe, be smart when playing and, uh, don't run people over. I feel like I kept getting a couple questions regarding don't run. Like if I kind of just keep running forward, you, the ball carrier carrier should be trying to make a move to evade the defender. Um, blatantly running, trying to run through somebody will be penalized as a flag guard. If, okay. if, if, if that wasn't already clear, but um, yeah, we're going to remove the diving rule. Um, we talked with the captains. Captains felt it was the right thing to do. I wasn't going to oppose. So um yeah, let's move on and uh, get on to the games. Now, you got anything to say before we start going? I, I, I Dobby's part of football. It's tough to, you know, tell someone. Yeah, it's tough to that. It was being called. It was being called too inconsistently, and I'm I'm over it. All right, let's talk about the week two games. Start with the nine a.m. slate. Only one game this week on the nine a.m. slate, but it was a, a really really good game. Ole Miss versus Florida. Kurtzman, I'll start with you. Um, actually, no, I won't start with you. You weren't even at this game the beginning. Uh, I mean, game. I watched, I watched the film, so you. Can I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to you. I'm gonna go to you. I'm gonna go to you next, then, because okay. I feel like this one had a really good feel to it. And this okay. was the first game. Also, I want to say this: this was the first game all season where I've been down on the field for, like, for the game. Like, I wasn't filming this game, so like, I kind of forgot, honestly, a little bit how physical the league was, and like how fast and hard people are going. So. I would just shout out to the competition of the league. That was a really good game. Dad, I'll start with you. What was your big takeaways from this one? Well, uh, it was advertised. It was – I can't say it right. <laughs> <laughs> it was as advertised. As advertised, yes. Uh, the first matchup I wanted to see was Joe Dell versus Austin. It started off the way, and Austin did a very, very good job to the point where they moved Odell to the, uh, uh, Joe Dell to the inside. I'm not saying that because Austin's doing such a great do- job, that's why they, they switched. I think it was just a better matchup to him play over Steve, which caused Steve to make a, a couple of errant snaps. And, you know, it, it's tough to handle a, a guy that size. But uh, great job by Austin to start off the game. Uh, he was protecting Tommy, uh, as he always does. Um, uh, I, I... <laughs> no, <laughs> edits, no edits. No edits. No edits. It's tough. Yeah. It's uh, the, the game flow. Uh, yeah. It just... It, it was constantly moving. We, we, you know, there wasn't any like it didn't feel like there was any dead dead drives. Yeah, you know? no, it felt it felt like the game had really high intensity in it. My thing with it with this game was, um, I want to talk about Tommy a little bit too, because Tommy is one bad play a game away from being the best quarterback. 
Right. Like he makes one bad play. He just he Chris, when you watched the film, you saw the interception, right? Yeah. Like it was he Tom like Tommy can't make that play. Tommy cannot make that play. If he takes that play out of his game every week, it's gonna be so difficult to beat them. Paulie Caldonado was, in my opinion, beast. was the takeaway from this game. He was a monster in this one. Like he was just a big ass beast on the field. So Paulie being there for Ole Miss, they that's a completely different team with Paulie. Giuseppe obviously is a stud. That was just a it came down to the end. Kurtzman, I'll, I'll let you get your thoughts after this, but it came down to the end. And I'm just happy that uh, let's say that I'll say that I'm happy that the game ended the way it did with Florida winning on that Hail Mary and Jaraka. Just I think Jarak was on Tommy. Uh, he could have had, a, a, I think, maybe two more chances to intercept. You know, he dropped one right in his hands. Yeah. But uh, he read him pretty well. He played very, very good defense. Another thing, I thought that the uh, Ole Miss line, I, I thought they contained Jarak pretty good. He didn't have a lot of opportunities to run. That They kind of kind of kept him in the pocket and forced him to throw the ball. So a good job by their line. Kurtzman. Yeah, no, you guys definitely hit on a lot of really good points. Um it's funny, you guys were um, talking of uh, Ole Miss so much, but they didn't even win the game. Um, Florida yeah. came out 26-25. I love the um, last two minutes of our games have so much uh, intensity and thrill and excitement behind them. We saw um, Florida think they win, then there's a penalty called, and then Ole Miss takes the lead, and then Florida comes back and wins late. Um, it just shows that the league is such a high-competitive, high-parity league. But Jarrock, um, without using his legs in this one, really got the job done with his arm, which was kind of, I guess, the question mark about it. There's a narrative on Jarrock, but he get it done. There's a narrative, but he only had three rushing attempts in this game. One was a 45-yard touchdown run, um, which, yeah, which he looked like a demon on that play. Um, He just is a winner. He finds ways to win games. Um, I knew his team would be very successful in this league, and they're off to a very fast start, two and one. Jarrock, all around phenomenal game. Defensively was doing it all. Offensively was making plays for his team. Um, I thought Ole Miss's defense did a really good job. Um, they yeah. have definitely game plan, definitely knew what they wanted to do when they came out there on the field, and I think they really executed flawlessly outside of probably that last play of the game. Um, I don't really know what happened. They just got – it was a good route combination – called by Florida and the mood was kind of wide open with another Florida guy with no Ole Miss. Yeah, there was two guys there, but shout out to Mahmoud though. Biggest, biggest play of Mahmoud's BDSA career. Yeah, no, for sure. Mahmoud makes the biggest catch of his career by far. And um, exciting to see Jarrock call a play for one of his later round picks in such a high intensity situation. Yeah. Um, I think it shows that he truly does already have trust in all of his guys top to bottom. And they obviously have trust in him because he's proven to him that he's a really good leader and whatnot. So um, all around fantastic game by both sides. Um, these are two teams that are going to light it up every week and play very good sound fo- flight football. So um not much more you really can say about yeah, this. Yeah, last last thing I want to say before uh, we move on from this one. I talked to Giuseppe after the game, and uh, Giuseppe said that it was a good loss to them because they came in this game a little bit too cocky. <laughs> That's what he said. They, they needed okay. to be humbled a little bit. So. All right, well. That was, that was a really good game. Shout out to Mamu. Shout out to Jarrock. Jarrock with – I'm in. I'm also in on you, what you said, Crispin. Like, Jarrock's a winner. His, his team's going to find ways to win. Again, um, yeah, no, for sure. Let's not forget Zalek had a gorgeous touchdown. Nick Zalek had a huge, he had a was, huge was game. A great, two plays. great. One was a great play call. It was a great throw. It was going yeah. around, yeah. And, yeah. and and Zalek showed tremendous hands by. He had a defender all, all over him, and also a defender trying to punch the ball out when he caught it. 
great hands. Yeah, no, Nick Zalek had a touchdown, then and then he had another touchdown that got called back for a stiff arm, but it was still a huge game on the play. I mean, a huge gain of on the play there. But yeah, Nick Zalek was definitely balling. That I, I like the way Josh yeah. showed confidence as receivers going to him like that. It was it was a great play. Yeah, there was there was that was a really good game. All right, it's kind of fun. It, well, real quick, sorry, I just want to say a little tidbit. It's funny because I was helping draw draft his team, and each round he was asking me for a certain type of player, and I'm kind of seeing how now, like, how based on how he wanted me to draft his, like, help him draft his team, yeah, it kind of makes sense in how he uses his guys. So it just shows that he's got so much experience in in multitude of leagues and knows kind of how, what he wants to do every time he goes out there. All right, let's move on to the 10 o'clock slate. Let's can't, move on. can't move on without doing stats. Sorry. <laughs> can't move on without the stats. I'm forgetting it's the recap week. Yeah, can't no, move on without sure. the stats. Uh, for the winning side, Florida, Jirok, 15 of 26, 156 passing yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Also had three rushes for 60 yards and a touchdown. Also on defense, had an interception and two pass breakups and three tackles. Uh, Xavier had three catches in 20 yards, big sack and a big conversion late in this one. Jarwa had three catches for 23 yards. Mahmoud had two catches for 30 yards and the game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Nick Zalek had two catches, 45 yards and a touchdown. Jodell had two catches. Matt DeFilippis had a big touchdown also. Matt DeFilippis is balling, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, he's balling. Yeah, no, he's been playing. Out to him. He had a great game. I even told him that after the game. Fantastic game. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, play, he plays hard and um, – He's kind of just he's one of uh, he's a good player to play with Jarrod because he commits to blocking. But after Jarrod can break the pocket and make room, Matt is more than a capable of a uh, pass catcher, and obviously showing he can do it after uh, after the catch as well. Um, he had a big touchdown this one, and yeah, that's that for the Florida stats and for. Ole Miss, Tommy was 18 at 2,459 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Also had four rushes, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Paulie, five catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Giuseppe, five catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Verdesco had three catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown. Almost had the game winner. Uh, Dan Dexter had a sack and an interception. Yo, I want to say this. Timeout. Dan Dexter was a beast. He was he was kind of a beast. He was flying all over the field. Matt Marola was like, yo, this kid is moving out there. He's really fast. He, he could yeah. be a player. He could be a player. Yeah, no, duh. I heard that from multiple people about Dan yeah. Dexter. It, it, there's so many players to get to in these recaps. You just yeah, yeah, you yeah. forget. Um, yeah. Guzman had a sack. Uh, Rajon had a catch. And Dane had two catches and was a menace on the D-line, honestly. Um, and Valmati had two tackles. All right. Let's move on to the 10 o'clock slate for real this time. Dartmouth against LSU. Kurtzman, I'll start back with you. Uh, how do you feel about this one, and are you nervous about LSU and Sobes? So, first of all, I was so cocky at the field thinking that Sobes is going to make his – the big – the get out of the funk breakout week. He told me he was feeling good on Friday and even Saturday morning before the game. So, I thought I was about to get one up on you and Tommy for picking uh, Joe, but – Obviously, that didn't go the way we uh, I expected. Yeah. Um, Dartmouth came out with a 26-19 to 19 victory over LSU. LSU falling to 1-2 and two on the season. Um, to answer your second question, am I worried about Sobes? No, but the seven interceptions is so uncharacteristic. I just feel like he's not in a good groove right now. I feel like he's still trying to figure it out with the new team, trying to figure it. He's got a good connection with body. I feel like him and Spo have gotten off to a decent start. Um, feel like there could be there's way more potential there than we've seen thus far. Um, I feel like the offensive line's been doing a pretty decent job with Tommy Torrey. Jake Sobes played his first game um in the league yesterday, uh, on Sunday, and was a beast. But um, I think he's just really trying just trying to figure it out. 
As for the game, Joe Piscopo was the tale of two halves. One half couldn't figure it out. Second half looked like the all-star. Yeah, he started making throws. He started, yeah, he started, he started cooking. Throws. And I said to him after the game, I said, it's really crazy that the, the way you look on the field with Tompkins versus without Tompkins. Like yeah. the, the, the difference between week one and two, just like the overall body language and confidence in his throws and everything like that. When he's throwing at Tompkins, he's just so um, confident in himself. I feel like it just raises his level of play. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Tompkins in this one. Uh, missed week one, and he was back week two with a vengeance, had to make up for missing week one, and he absolutely dominated this, dominated this game from start to finish. He was all over the ball making plays um, in the end zone, a couple touchdowns, had a nice where he was falling out of bounds and tipped it to one of his teammates for a conversion. Crazy, crazy. Crazy play. Um, not much more you can say about Nick except that he was – absolutely dominant in this one. He left his imprint on the field at the end of the day. Um, the line did a much better job of protecting Joe in this one, I thought. Yep. And it showed he was accurate and he was decisive. He ran a couple times, three times, three rushes over 20 yards in this game for Joe. And you're picking up gains like that in a game. It's hard to get stops if you're the opposing defense. So um, shout out Joey played a great game. And um, Liam Knowles must have Sobes' number two interceptions in this one. Both look like Sobes is throwing the ball right to him, but uh, Sobes needs to pick up his game a little bit. I think he knows that. Dad, how are you feeling about this one? I have to disqualify myself in this game because I watched the other game. Okay. So I didn't see much of this game. Okay. But time out. But you talked to me You talked to me a little bit about LSU the other night. Yeah. Uh, I just felt that they're not in sync yet. Uh, they definitely have the weapons to, you know, get Sobes on, on the right track. I just – think that uh they need to protect him a little more knowing that he is a little hobbled yeah when you're when your power rankings come out you're gonna see where you have them i'm not yeah. gonna i'm not gonna release your power rankings but but. i'm not gonna lie coming down back to the protecting i did feel like the offensive line was way more um was much more staying in and protecting him rather than going out for passes we didn't see a lot of cody norton in this game um yeah. he did score a touchdown but um, I do feel like I, I was watching that on the film when i was watching i did feel like they they were way more um likely to not go out than to block for him. So maybe that's something that teams are, could pick up on, or maybe that just was that game. But I felt like the offensive line did a decent job protecting him in this one. No, I, I kind of agree with everything you said, Kirsten. Tompkins was an absolute monster on the field. And Joe started cooking up. Like, he started throwing dimes. I think he had a ball over the middle. Might have been for a touchdown, too. He just, like, laced it between two defenders. Like, he was Joe was, was spinning the ball. Joe, Joe looked really, really good in the second half of that game. And like you said, just the whole, the whole you know, swagger and, you know, fire that Joe plays with when Tompkins is on his side obviously makes all the difference in the world. That's a huge win for them against Sobes right there. I'm not going to call it like an extremely big loss for Sobes because you expect him to bounce back. But that's a statement win by Episcopo and Dartmouth, 100% a statement win. Yeah, no, I was definitely doubting them. And, man, shout out to Joe, man. He just – like, I, I really just can't I can't say enough about him as his growth as a quarterback from the beginning to where he's at now. He was spinning the ball. He was so close to a few extra really big plays that I feel like um, really could have broke this game open. He was really looking like Frank Nutile from Temple out there on Sunday against LSU. Okay. And I just feel like uh, he's really got so much more growth to grow, and he already looks so good as it is. So much more growth to grow. So much more so room, much to, more grow. room to, grow. <laughs> yeah. Dad, to grow. All right, Kirschman. Let's uh let's let's wrap this one let's wrap this one up with the stats. Everyone's tongue tied tonight. All right, for the winning side, Joe Piscopo, ten of 16, 80 yards, um, two touchdown throws. Also had 
seven carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. I'm sorry, three touchdown throws for Episcopal on the day. Uh, also made three tackles on defense. Tompkins had five catches, 35 yards, and two touchdowns. Also had an interception off the line, which was kind of a crazy play. He read that really well. Um, he bounced off the D-line, uh, bounced off the D-line, made a nice, really nice play on the ball. Uh, Santuccio scored a touchdown for Piscopal. Also had two pass breakups. Thought uh, Joe kind of threw him in the fire there against Body, and Body was uh, getting his early, but I thought Santuccio made a couple plays on uh, him to show he was able to make um, – be able to guard a, a better receivers in the league. Yeah. Liam Moles had two interceptions. Musi had a 20-yard catch and a sack. Rich Ritter had two conversions caught and three catches, 12 yards. Uh, conversions are a big thing. Also had an interception. So he was making a lot of big plays on big plays. Actually had an interception on a conversion as well. So um, those points matter. Yeah, 100%. And for Sobes, he was 24 of 35, 246 yards, three touchdowns, but through four interceptions. Crazy. Um, Spo, five catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown, also had a sack. Body had six for 101 and a touchdown. Friel had five for 59. Cody Norin, uh, three for three catches, eight yards, and a touchdown. Now it's five on the season, also had an interception, the pass breakup. Jake Sobes had a catch and a sack. Tommy Torrey had four catches for 27 yards and a conversion. And uh, Luca Duccio, he, he was making a lot of plays. Um, at, he plays primarily defense for them. And I saw him making a lot of plays at the safety position. He also had five tackles on the day. So he's a pretty sure-handed flag grabber from what I can say. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Let's move on to the other 10 a.m. game. Down. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sean Sellers, I know how to sack. Got to get all that. Got to get everyone stats. All right. There you go. All right, let's move on to the other uh, 10 o'clock game. Dad, I'll start with you on this one. Purdue versus Alabama. This is the game that you said you were watching. What was uh, what were your big takeaways from this one? Well, I wanted to, you know, get a good look at the, the quarterback play in this game. Abby had to play quarterback for Alabama. Yeah, uh, and I'll get to him in a minute. Um, Deshaun. Deshaun. Uh, tremendous athlete, a lot of athleticism, uh, great arm. I mean, he could, with a flick of a wrist, he can get the ball out there. Uh, my only problem with him is decisions. Poor Poor decisions with the football. Um, I, I think he'll clean that up. I think, you know, protect the ball, uh, sustain your drives. I, I think he'll do fine. But he really, he has to, he has to, he has to take control of his huddle. He has to be uh, definite in the huddle. Uh, he has to call his plays. Not too much improvise. I mean, he's got the ability when you're that gifted. You know, there's a lot of improvision. But I like to see him stick with a game plan and go with it. Uh, I think that's how you know they could be better moving forward. Getting to Alabama. Uh, it, I, I was disappointed that they did not show up with a full team. Well, yeah, the guy got hurt. Dev got hurt and Wiz was on vacation. They, they, had, they had to take Jawa and they had to play Giuseppe. Yeah. And, and shout out to those guys. They played, you know, three yeah. games, I think, uh, yeah. last week. Uh, and, and and I believe Giuseppe had to come and play a quarterback in the second game. Yeah. But uh, I, this is what I saw from Abby. Everyone's going, okay, uh, Abby looked good because they played against uh, uh, lesser competition. No, that's not the fact. What you look for coming in, you look for pocket presence. You, you look for, um, you know, uh, um, a, a, a athletic ability and, and smart decisions with the football. And I saw all that in Abby. I was really surprised. I never saw Abby, Abby play quarterback. I thought he had a great game. Uh, if, if that's the way they're going to, you know, if they're going to move forward with him as quarterback. No, uh, they're not. As long as Dev is, could play and he's not hurt, then he's going to be the quarterback. Okay. But I, I, like I said, so a lot of positive things from Abby. I think that was it was a huge performance from Abby to step up and get a win in the game. Like that's a team they needed to win on the season. They could be zero and three right now if Abby doesn't step up. But instead, they're one and two, which is completely different. It's huge. It's a huge difference getting your first win than being zero and three. Emmerich was really good in this one as well. Kurtzman, I want to turn it over to you though. 
Um, yeah, I want to talk about both quarterbacks. One uh, for I know you game. have I know you have a lot to say about about this one. So no, I, I do because this this is a game of a lot of, of two teams that um are still need to try to figure it out and kind of are going to grow are going to be the teams that are going to be getting better each week, really getting better each week. And so for Alabama, Abby stepping up and play quarterback. I thought, like Tommy said, he had great pocket presence. Um, I thought he moved really well. I thought his offensive line gave him good time to throw. Um. The throws, not the accuracy might not have been there, but he was making more than enough plays and exhibiting crazy arm strength. Yeah, um, he's got a cannon. Yeah, a cannon for a right arm. And he he made enough plays to really keep, uh, keep them in the game. They got off to a hot start, uh, kind of had a nice lull midway through that game, but made, put together a few nice drives at the end to kind of come out on top. But um, I think the big story for Purdue is that they just start slow that both games they play all three games they play. I'm sorry. They've gotten down double digits within the first, I'd say 10 minutes of the game or so, but then they kind of figure it out defensively and they go on these, they get, they get some stops. Um, they, they make plays defensively. I think they make adjustments or they kind of just figure out the game flow, but they kind of just figure out a little too late. Um, and they led in this one for a little bit, but as soon as they took the lead, Abby throws a 50 yard touchdown the next play, the first play of the next drive. So like, you just kind of gotta, you gotta get the consistency there and continue it and get it from start to finish. They haven't played a good 40 minutes in a row yet. Um, I thought Deshaun did a much better job this week. He used his athleticism the way I wanted him to. He just said, all right, if I don't have anyone open, I'm going to circle back around because I'm faster than every most people on this field. And they're probably not going to grab my flag. And if they do, so be it. They're not going to get it more than one or two times when I'm doing the crazy shit running behind on the line of scrimmage. So I think that he just needs to make better decisions, just cut down on the turnovers. And I really think that they're going to start being way more competitive in these games. Like he threw another three interceptions in this one. Um, He just, he, he does. I, I don't even know how he throws the ball as far as he does when he's on the run because he barely even like really moves his arm when he throws just a flick of the wrist, but um, he's got a strong arm. Yeah, no, he does. If he's just able to cut down the turnovers, I really like him as a quarterback. I think that um, he uses his athleticism well, and he he does definitely call plays because I see him making throws on first reads. So I know he's doing. So- he's definitely watching film and doing something. Um, he was very comfortable throwing to his boy Nick Mergel, who made his debut at toward two touchdowns in this one. Um, I thought he was a really good player for the team that gave them a boost. Um, I'm still yet to see big plays from Rashid. Um, I think they're coming, but we've yet to see it. And I think that's a dynamic of the Purdue offense that we haven't even seen yet. But um, shout out to Alabama, played a really good game, and they were able to come back from a small deficit and come out on top. Who, who uh, I want to say who impressed you from Alabama outside of Abby on their team? Um, I mean, Emmerich had two touchdowns. Denoya had Denoya had a really good game defensively, I thought. Denoya was yeah, clamping yeah, shit defensively. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he did. He definitely had a good game defensively. I just I I don't want to put too much stock into these two wins because this isn't the Alabama team that we're going to be seeing going forward. Um, it was a nice win, but they only had six guys. So yeah, yeah I like um, but yeah, I want to see what the full the full team looked good in week one against Sobes and nearly pulled out a win. So I do I do think that that isn't a slight to Alabama in my opinion. I just I need to see that full team doing it because they did look good week one, but now they're they haven't been together in a week. Um, I hope they have a full team this week and they're able to go out there and kind of continue on growing as a full team instead of just six with a couple subs. One more thing on Purdue. I, I like the fact that uh, Sean used his lineman because Johnny Smoke had a great game. 
Yes. Uh, big shot to John. That was a tremendous game by John. That um, Hail Mary, I mean, the onside kick that he, yeah. that he caught and brought into the end zone. Beautiful play. Great athleticism by John. Yeah, great play by Nick to, to catch it, realize he was going to get tackled before the line and make a nice uh, lateral to Johnny to um, get him into the end zone. Uh, I just – I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried about these teams. I mean, Purdue being 0-3 in a nine-game season isn't, like, the most ideal start, but um, there's a lot of winnable games on their schedule, and I think that if they start to put it together and kind of – really sit down and Deshaun game plans and has his team on the same page. Um, I think they could win some games and they'll be making, hopefully making a playoff push towards the late of the season. All right, let's do stats on this one, Kurtzman. All right. Abby was six of 13, 105 yards, three touchdowns and a pick also had four carries, 38 yards and a touchdown. Emmerich five catch, uh, four catches, 53 yards and two touchdowns also had an interception. Denoya had a catch and also had five tackles and an interception. Giuseppe had a 45-yard touchdown and an interception. And Paul Carter had two tackles. Um, Angelo Pizzuto also had two tackles for Alabama and for Purdue. Deshaun was 18 of 32 for 208 yards and three touchdowns, but also threw, threw three picks. Also had four carries for 29 yards, but also had two sacks on D-line and a convert. Um, also ran in a conversion. I think we're going to see more of Deshaun on D-line going forward, which I kind of really like. Um, it allows him to use his athleticism against bigger guys. So we'll see what goes on there. Um, Rashid had two catches for 17 yards and an interception for the second straight game. Jaleel had three catches and 27 yards, and one of them was one of the craziest Crazy catches. Crazy one hand. Yeah. Uh, shout out Jaleel. That was an insane catch. Had me screaming and jumped out of my seat. Um, Nick Mergel had five catches, 72 yards, and two touchdowns. Also had a conversion and two tackles. Um, Johnny had three catches, 45 yards and a touchdown and also had the, the rushing yards on the ladder that got the onside kick. And Ali Ahmad Shah had five catches for 50 yards. He's been a little bit of a security blanket for Deshaun. I feel like he's been pretty sure handed when thrown to, and he's converted a bunch of first downs. Uh, and Darnell also had a safety in this one. Nice. All right. Let's move on to the 11 o'clock slate. Let's stay with the same Alabama team against Florida state. This one was a blowout kind of over the moment it started. Uh, I thought Augie was electric in this one yet again. He was making plays everywhere. Um, the people on the Alabama team, I guess, were telling Augie that he's a beast. Uh, <laughs> Augie, Augie was definitely was definitely feeling it. Obviously, Justin doing his thing as well. Everyone on that team was was going crazy. I thought Matt this Matt Marola really showed up. Matt was <laughs> was making plays like crazy athletic runs after the catches, and he was moving like really well, good balance, moving really fast. That Florida team looks like they're clicking. Looks like they're they're getting. Augie had some runs to Ivino in this game as well. Uh, they were they were playing really really well. Obviously Alabama goes to Giuseppe at quarterback in this game. I think Abby was a little injured and just said, "All right, we're down a lot. Uh, let Giuseppe get some reps." Like you said, it's kind of tough to judge them with you know only six other guys being there. But it's, in terms of Florida State, uh, they, it looked like they just had a lot of fun in this game. Like it was a good warm up game for their for their second game of the day. Yeah, no, um, I thought they came out and they wanted to take care of business early. They saw a pretty wounded dog in the street, basically. A really tired, um, depleted Alabama team from game one. They just fought a hard-fought game against Purdue, and then they had to come right out and play against a team that's looking like it could be the best team in the league right now. Yeah. Um, Florida State has a lot of fun while playing. They're all friends, all really good friends. Um, when, when you see your friends having a great time playing and making plays, it just kind of – lifts the entire team. Uh, Joy Warden's getting a sack safety. Uh, had the team going nuts. I thought Justin was good in this one. I thought Augie was great. 
Um, everyone really making plays. The stat sheet is filled. Like, like I'm looking at the stats right now in this game. It's going to be a mouthful to say all of them because everyone really on this team made some sort of play at some point. Um, and that's what you like to see in this league. Everyone really contributing to a big win. Yeah. And there's not really a lot you can say about Florida State. And that's why I want to talk about Florida State more in their exactly. second game. Yeah. Um, but this is what you want to see. I'll say a quick thing about Florida State. This is what you want to see with a good team in the league. You want to see them come out and take care of business early against a team that, A, depleted, B, not one of the top echelon teams at the current moment. Um, so kudos to Florida State for handling business, having a really good game plan, and kind of just going in there and dominating from the word go. I think Justin had it pick six on the first play of this game. So uh, it was kind of – I don't want to say it was over before it started, but it was over quite early. That uh, They were just like sharks with blood in the water. Yeah. That's all it was. No, you're right. Yeah. All right. We could uh, we we could do stats on this one already. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was. Um, I think Alabama wants to kind of bury the football and yeah. move on to – bury the team and move on to the next day. But, uh, all right, stats. Yeah, stats State. are more impressive. Yeah, stats. Augie's 12 of 15, 87 yards, touchdown to pick. Also at five catches, 60 uh, – five catches, five rushes, 65 yards and two touchdowns. Also at three tackles on defense. Justin went 437, one touchdown and had a pick. Matt Marola, two catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. Lebo, one catch for five yards, was a conversion. Uh, Iavino had five catches, 30 yards, and a sack. Joe Ivanek had an interception. Rob L. had a conversion thrown and a catch as well. Uh, Jay Kodros threw a 45-yard touchdown to Matt Marola as well as a catch of his own. And Joey Wargans with the sack safety on Abby. And as for Alabama, Giuseppe was 6-7, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Abby was 4-11, 22 yards, and an interception. Um, Emmerich had two catches, 21 yards and a touchdown. Giuseppe had two catches. Denoy had a catch in four tackles. Denoy had uh, nine tackles in two games. So, um, big numbers for Denoy on defense. And yeah, Brian Duncan had a catch. Paul had a catch in a stack. And Jarwar had a catch. Oh, Denoy had two interceptions uh, in the day one interception this game, one interception in the last game. All right. Let's move on to the other 11 a.m. game. Kurtzman, your game. Yeah. Wyoming against Texas Tech. Kersman, I'll start with you. Uh, what were your big takeaways from uh, from this game? Um, just wanted to first shout out my team, man. We only had seven guys show up. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't our best seven personnel-wise. We were very – just based on who the personnel we have, we were limiting what we could do on defense, I thought. And we, we all kind of really bought into playing a certain way and a certain type of defense this week. And I was happy to see our guys really battle through adversity and come out with a win – um, Damien, for instance, didn't play a single snap at defensive line, played every snap in the secondary because we just didn't have the personnel where we would be able to put him at D line. And he stepped up, changed, cha uh, changed his role for the team. And it worked out great. He played great safety. We were all over everything they did. Um, and I was just, we, it's great when you go in with a game plan and you feel so prepared and it works out to the way you want it to. I don't want to keep playing these one possession games where I went on the final play of the game, but um, Hey, we got a clutch. Wyoming has a clutch gene right now. Dad, how do you feel about this one? Uh, disappointed that I'm not going to take anything away from, from uh, Wyoming. Uh, Abdul was hurt. He had a hamstring problem early on in the game and you know, he was constantly on the sideline trying to roll it out. Uh, unfortunately, I'd like to see a healthy Abdul, but uh, Mike Danino. Wow. What, 
what a stud. <laughs> what a player. I mean, you have Billy uh, D'Amato on the sideline screaming, there's only one guy catching the ball, stop him, and they couldn't, you know? Uh, like I said, the matchup with Abdul against Dino would have been better if Abdul was 100% healthy. But, you know, it is what it is, and I, I think, you know, Daniel's still going to put up stats because he's that type of player. Yeah, I don't I don't think, you know. Jesus Christ. You better – Mike Dino is going to text me right after hearing that and be like, Tommy is out of his goddamn mind. If Abdul mind. was hurt – I'm not talking no shit. Abdul was talking to shit during the game, but yeah. let's call it how it is. If Abdul was health, if Abdul wasn't healthy, he shouldn't have been guarding a, a kid like no, Mike Dino. No, no, yeah. I'm not giving let's any excuse to Abdul. I'm not giving then, any excuse to no. Abdul at all. And then let's also call it how it is. Because Abdul was hurt, I no. just said it would have been a better matchup if he was 100% healthy. I think it's it would have been the exact, it would have been the exact same shit. The exact same yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, like, me, and, me and Mike dominated that game from start to fucking finish, and I don't want to hear no injury, no injury bullshit. Yeah. If they wanted, listen, there were other capable players on Texas Tech that could have went and guarded him but Abdul wanted to stay on him and we exposed that so yeah. I don't know what any of that none of that none of that none of that giving him no injury you know what no he says to me, you know what Abdul and Abdul is not and you're making an excuse for Abdul when Abdul is not making an excuse know, for himself no, no, it's not an excuse I'm just saying I would prefer to see a, a right. player of that caliber 100% alright I don't care about the Abdul injury no one cares about that No. all I'm saying is this Abdul, Abdul came up to me after the game and goes, damn, Mike Danino is really like that. Yeah. So that's what he said. I want you to know that's what Abdul says. So I don't, I don't want to hear no injury excuse. Um, anyways, back to the game, Chris. I think it was an extremely valiant effort from your team. You guys only had seven players there. And like you said, a weird personnel. Like just a di- like people having to do different things in that in, on your defense. And you guys still came out and clamped. Because after week one, we talked about how good Billy looked. And in this game, I want to say Billy, I thought, and Augie pointed it out to me, but Billy was moving well in this game. Like he was, he was evading the rush pretty well in this game, Kurtzman. But yeah, I thought so. All, you guys were all over every throw, it seemed like. I feel like they had one play, like they had that one big play to Steve Roas over the that top. Was it. That was it. And that was it. Like outside of that, that was really it. That was really all they did the entire day. So Billy's got it. If, if Kurtzman was able to just, you know, scout that out and say, we know exactly how we're going to defend this. Billy's got to switch it up a little bit then. Maybe he, maybe Billy came into this game thinking, all right, the same shit's going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now he might have to take it a little bit more seriously and and think of something like that. Obviously I expect Billy to come out and and be a great next game. But in this game, I think you guys had them figured out. I think that was the story of the game. I also think you played really good. My only thing with you was, and I told you after the game, I think, you know, you, you took that safety and I I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just because, I think highly of you and your ability to escape, but like, I hate when you take a safety. Like, I hate it if like, so I hate when people take safeties. I'm like, ah, you guys should be better than that. But again, nah, we just had, I think we, yeah, I, yeah, no, we didn't. I think we, we called the play. It's funny. Cause you say that we called the play that we hadn't run yet. And I didn't really give out specific yeah, responsibilities yeah. on the play and Harnish kind of broke through where we were running towards and he made a nice play. I'll, I'll give him that, but I think we just need to, is if, if we would have, we, we were unprepared to run that play and I ran it in a weird situation. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah. I, did, I didn't look well, And then you had one throw. I thought, or you had two bad throws in the day, the interception you threw. And then the, the, uh, you had Mike Nino wide open for a touchdown over. Oh my God. Who thought, who would have thought I'm under, I'm overthrowing. Uh, somebody <laughs> on a deep ball, but um, nah. Uh, listen, couple bad plays, like you said, we had one bad defensive play, and that is 
as good of a game as you can ask for. Talk um, about, I want you to talk about um, who on Texas Tech you thought you felt gave you problems oh, a little bit. Okay. Um, listen, I think Zadadi and Steve Ruiz are good receivers. I think they, they, they know what Billy wants to do and they have good chemistry with him. Um, they, they, I, I'm not even gonna say, I don't want to say no one impressed me, but um, Latempo was in, did, did a nice job. Um, I thought, a great game. Yeah. I thought Mork did a good job uh, pushing him out. Morg, and giving Morg, him shout out to your offensive line. Yeah, no, more gave me room to step out, step up, make plays. Damian and Matt did a really nice job as well. But um, no, Texas Tech, I just feel like they have to get more creative offensively. Um, I don't really want to give them kudos because they came in with the exact same game plan as week one. Was um, Jelani without, hurt or just couldn't make the game? No, without Jelani. Jelani's done for the season. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Um, without Jelani, obviously hurts them 100%. But Sadi is a capable receiver. Um, I think they need to come out more creativity this week. I think they need to not run the exact same things they were running because they did the same thing from week one to week two and we were all over it. Um, we watched film, we were prepared. And like I said in the beginning, it's great when you come in with a, ge- a good game plan and it gets executed to perfection. Um, we have a huge matchup this week. So, you know, we're going to be back in the lab again, studying up and, uh, no, but I really, I, I like Texas tech going forward. I think Billy's a quarterback. I think he slings the rock and he knows what he wants to do with it. Um, they just need to kind of get more creative on offense. Let's give credit where it's due. I, I went after Carson after the game. I told him I thought he had a great game. Yes, he did. I, I said, uh, you know, I, I, Billy made a comment at, at the end of uh, week one about quarterback playing the league. And I said, well, Kurtzman just showed him what good quarterback play is. So I, he had a great game, Kurtzman. But you, but then you also said it was because Abdul was injured. <laughs> no, no, no. One more time. I said I would like to see him 100%. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. No, it's a joke. All right, give me All stats right. on this one, Chris, man. Yeah, Billy was 10 to 23, 117 yards and a touchdown, two carries, 18 yards. Sadati in his debut, two catches, 26 yards and an interception. Um, Steve Ruiz, four catches, 86 yards and a touchdown. Harnish had the safety. Uh, Tempa had two catches. James had four tackles. And Abdul had six tackles, even though um, uh, playing a little hobbled. Per, per source. Um, and he also had a run yard rushing touchdown and one catch for five yards for Wyoming. I was 15 of 2160 yards, two touchdowns and a pick also had 10 carries for 92 yards. I told Augie the day before I said, take my rushing prop overs. Um, <laughs> I knew it was gonna be a big running day for me with, um, the lesser personnel. Uh, Mike, eight catches, 108 yards and two touchdowns. Also a pass breakup. Morick had a rush for 13 yards on a lateral play. Uh, Hughes had three catches, 18 yards and a safety. Damian had two catches, 12 yards. Uh, Dom had a conversion caught and James had one catch, 15 yards and a pass breakup as well. Okay. All right. What was, what's that saying? Let's move on to the 12 PM slate. You're looking at Georgia against TCU highly anticipated matchup was an absolute blowout. Yeah. You know how I felt in this one, Kurtzman? I'm going to be honest on the podcast. How'd you feel? I felt like it was over. Like, I don't feel like it's over anymore, but I felt like it was over for the league. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, like, oh, okay. In the sense of, like, who's beating Georgia? Like, that's how I felt just in the moment, because I was like, damn, I thought TCU, Eric, going to be revitalized. They're going to come back. Dylan's going to go off. They're going to have a great game. You know, they're going to snap. And then I beat, first off, their defense is, is suffocating. They're amazing on defense. And then on offense, they're, they're just as amazing. They are, in my opinion, the clear best team in the league. They're, they're number one by far in the power rankings. Um, maybe not by far with Florida State, but, but they, are, they are the clear number one team. They are the clear number one team. And uh, you play, yeah, Chris, well, obviously we'll talk about it on the preview you know, on Thursday, but wow, this one was an absolute routing. 
I'd be literally – it's to the point, Kurtzman, where he says on the ball before to TJ Inkstad that he throws touchdowns from, right? He literally goes, TJ, you don't have a catch on the season yet? Run out and up, and I'll throw you a touchdown. And then literally yeah. goes out and up and throws him a touchdown and then comes to the sideline and then comes up to me. He's like, yeah, I just told TJ that if he runs it out and up, I'll get him his first catch for a touchdown on the season. Like, he's, he's playing with people at this point. It, it's unbelievable, Kurtzman. Yeah, no, it um, it is definitely unbelievable right now. Listen, we've been watching IB grow as a quarterback in our league since the Raiders when he took over for uh, Corey Nuzzi back in the day. And now he is at a level where I don't really know how how, how teams are going to stop him. I mean, listen, he's electric. We're going to have – we're tasked with that this week. Um, we're going to try to solve the, the puzzle that three teams have yet to solve. Uh, but I have good history against IB. I kind of know what we want to do against him and what makes him uncomfortable, I feel like. But their team is fast, man. They, they, you said they're suffocating on defense. It, it, it's so funny because they cover so much ground so fast that on yeah, film sometimes you think, you, think, you think things are open, but they're really not. And because Jack, Tyson, IB are covering so much ground, TJ Angstad back there also covering so much ground, um, it's it's exactly what you said. It's suffocating. It makes you think that you kind of you don't you're not, you makes you more unsure of yourself with Jack reading the quarterback so well. Jack had a great interception in this game. Yeah. Absolutely, Rogan. Eric yeah, like a book. Um, jumped jumped a drag route across the middle of Dylan, and I, he didn't house it, but he was close to housing it. But uh, no, I there they they look as close to what you would call I guess unbeatable as you could be. But I think we thought the same thing about um like the Falcons last year and I took care of business that time also. So we'll kind of, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But I do think that as more teams begin to, um, as more teams begin to build more cohesiveness and grow more as teams, they're going to give IB better games. You have to think about this. IB's playing with four five, six, probably n- eight nine of really of his really good friends growing up they've all been playing football together for a really long time so they have a different type of chemistry than other teams probably have at this point i'd say like my team maybe florida state it makes sense that the teams that are two and oh three and oh have really good chemistry yeah. so i i just think that listen they're the, they're the cream of the crop right now at the top of the class in the league but let's not uh i don't want to overblow their heads yet dad how do you feel about this game yeah <laughs> i was expecting a lot more from tcu uh it's i haven't seen what i've saw in the one day tournament but that like i said there's only one game that he's played hopefully they get to turn it around but they didn't put up a fight at all yeah yeah uh eric told me eric told me after the game i said oh, like what happened he goes yeah i came in with a, a game plan that really just didn't work it was more of a 5v5 game plan and it just it, it collapsed plus and then you 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 top that you, I mean, you couple that with playing against IB and a team that is so cohesive on both sides of the ball. They're one unit, one well-oiled machine. It's a recipe for disaster. And as you've seen so far, they've allowed, I think, six, six, and zero in three games. So uh, it's showing. But for TCU, I'm still buying stock in them. I've seen Eric dominate competition just as good, if not better. Uh, that was his first game since 2019. Um, I think he... He gets back next week. They have a doubleheader coming up, and I think that they are going to do some damage. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm, I'm, I hope they bounce back, TCU. But Georgia just looks absolutely phenomenal, and uh, they're scary. They're the team to beat until proven otherwise. Like, like until proven otherwise, like we keep saying. Kirsten, read the stats on this one. 
IB, another IB stats. It's interesting. I, before I start reading them, IB stats are so like the, the stats, the yardages are so low for teams that play against Georgia, when Georgia plays because teams are going for it on fourth and longs. They're not getting it, giving IB such short fields, but uh, IB finished 12, 18, 103 yards, four touchdowns, one rush, 13 yards and a touchdown. Also had three pass breakups and three tackles in this one. Jack, four catches, 25 yards and a touchdown. Also had an interception and six tackles. Uh, probably the best fly grabber in the league right now. Uh, Tyson, four catches, 17 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Also had two pass breakups. TJ Angstad had two catches, 25 yards and a touchdown. Also had interception, pass breakup and conversion. Sedano had four sacks in this one on Eric. Um, Eric was sacked six times in this game. Not good in terms of um, keep killing drives and not keeping a consistency going on offense. Yep. Uh, Pete had one catch for 26 yards, and Liam Riley had two sacks as well. Will O'Neill pass breakup. TJ Brown actually uh, had a pass breakup as well. And for TCU, Eric was 11 to 23, 118 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Also had five carries for 36 yards. Dylan, um, his first game back at receiver since last year, five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Wasn't able to get it going uh, in this one until very late. Uh, also had a pass breakup on defense. Um, Michael Eva had two catches for 26 yards and a pass breakup. Matt Monahan, one catch for 17 yards. And Matt Ballow, three catches for 21 yards. Um, the stats were not good for TCU. Mm. Game to forget for them. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the other 12 o'clock game. Oregon versus Michigan State. I actually had to leave towards the end of this one, Kurtzman. So the I, game I was crazy. Yeah, I missed the end of the game, but it was really competitive, and I felt like it went on forever. So I'll start with you on this one. Uh, let me know how. Let me know how you're feeling on this one, Chris. Man. Um, let's just start out by saying that Oregon is two plays away from being two and zero. Instead, they're sitting at zero and two. Both these teams had a lot of heart in this one. I felt like uh, Michigan State was way too conservative offensively in the, in the second half when they had the big lead. Um, they just – Sam took his foot off the get, pedal in the first half. Sam was throwing dots all around the field to Hasser, to Billheimer, to Douglas. Everyone was making plays. They were up big. Um, I kind of thought they were going to run away with this one, and I was very surprised because I know Oregon went to Lombardi before the games – before the game on Saturday to kind of get in, in sync with one another on routes and whatnot and kind of just – figure out what they needed to do. And they came out slow in the first half as well. Um, I thought the offensive line played way better in the second half. Um, but in the first half, they just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't good for them. He wasn't able to get Joe Pip the ball. Um, and it Bowen made a too. crazy play in this game as well, by the way. Yeah. Pip made, Pip makes multiple crazy plays per week, but in the second half, um, I felt like Oregon really just opened it up and Staroff just started saying, fuck it. I'm slinging this shit to Pip. Um, Pip ended this game with 14 targets. Uh, ten on, with ten catches on those fourteen targets. You called him out for having uh, only three targets. Well, I mean, listen, I just you see a guy with the the um the status in the league of Pip. You have to you have to use him. He's on your team. You have to use what uh what you drafted in the first round. And I'm so happy that Seroff did exactly that in this one. Pip absolutely dominated the second half of this game. Um, uh, TJ Garland. I honestly thought a couple of plays made some nice plays, but was still getting. Trevor Garland, not TJ Garland. I'm sorry, um, but Joey was still kind of getting his where whatever wherever he wanted to be on the field. Garland um, was kind of electric. No, Garland was Garland was Garland was 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 really, was talking a little shit to Joey. Making Joey his plays him. on defense and shit. Yeah, he was kind yeah, of electric. No, he no, was, but um, Serov really opened it up in the second half. He started just slinging it. I thought John Romano had a really good game receiving the ball. He made it. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, he had two big 20-yard uh, catches in this one. Uh, a couple made a couple guys miss flags. He's a very experienced player in our league. Uh, probably missed a little last week, and he did a really good job in the line for Suroff this week. Probably attributed to his line playing better this week, I thought. Kuja played the line also this week for uh, Suroff, so a lot of guys stepping up to play different roles, which you love to see on a team that's kind of just trying to figure it out. Um, at the end of this one, though, Suroff decide, scores a touchdown, decides to go for two instead of go, going for the tie. You can't fault the guy for going for the t- going for the win. He did the same thing against uh, my team in the regular season last year, and they just came up short. I would have liked to see them go to that that comeback to Pip. It felt like the back shoulder was working all game, but apparently Seraph and Pip kind of decided on whatever they decided on, but the pressure got in quick. So, yeah, that's kind that, of how you feel on this one. Uh, it was pretty much a tale of uh, two different times uh, types of game, first half and second half. Uh, when it came out, when uh, before the game, I, I spoke with Sam, and he was telling me what they wanted to do defensively. And Sam was pretty much calling the defense from the sidelines in that game. He knew what formation they would come out, how they wanted to attack it. And it worked. And his his plays, they listened to him. They follow his plan. And I thought that their defensive line, uh, uh, Belheim, I mean, I get tired watching him play. He puts in so much energy. Uh, and Douglas, and let's not forget, Hassard, uh, he's a fine. That, that That's a player. This is his first year in the league, right? Yes. He is a player. I agree. Yeah, that, that kid is something special. I mean, they had him playing on the line. They had him playing in the secondary. He does it all. And and offensively, he can catch the ball. Great player. Uh, Frankie Caruso, another, another Frankie. great. Frankie. Yeah. Oh, made one of the great craziest interceptions I've yeah. probably seen in this league. I'm going to make sure – I actually want to make sure I post that on the page because I think that's something that everyone needs to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, continue, Tommy. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. You can interject. Uh, I, like I said, I thought that that defense was the story in this game more so than the offense. They kind of went flat in the second half. They didn't score a point, mm-hmm. and, and what, what, we'll get into it later because they had a double header. But uh, after the first half, after they scored to put up their points, they haven't scored a point in three halves of football, which worries me. Oh uh, yeah, no, yeah, sure, because they got shut out by. Um... Georgia yeah no I just I think and Sam said it after the game to me that he felt like they were way too conservative on offense in the second half and then there was a little miscue um they had the ball at the three yard line and I think Steve Schaefer thought it was I think Steve Schaefer the the count was on silent he thought Sam was ready but Sam and Nick were still talking about what they wanted to do and then Nick caught the snap and got safety and that kind of gave Oregon the two-minute drill chance to win the game um just little things you need to clean up on both sides. But if I'm Oregon, man, I just know that I'm two plays away from being two and zero in the yeah. season and you have to hold your head high and just continue grinding. And listen, sir, started slow last year and they ended up making the playoffs and making a big run. So I don't expect him to expect them to fold. They have a really talented team. They're going to hopefully get Zach Shray back this week yeah. um, to like to complete that triple, that triple threat at receiver. Um, but no, I, there's really not much more to say about this one. Michigan State, I want to see what Sam does now with teams having two, three games of tape on him. Because Sam, Sam's come out and run some off, had a nice, has had nice offensive creativity through two weeks, through two weeks, three games. Um, but now teams are obviously going to be focusing on the film a lot more because they realize that other teams are coming in with good game plans. Um, so you need to come in with a good game plan every week and be ready to play. So I'm excited to see what Sam does differently now to kind of um counteract people kind of shutting down what he had going in weeks one and two all right let's go stats on this one all right Suroff. oh I, i'm sorry i I failed to mention this Suroff had five sacks in this game by himself uh, yeah by himself he had five sacks on sam allen he 
He was absolutely dominating this game on the D line for a large portion of the middle to the uh, first you know, team. What first team D lines are off? Um, I mean, like the way it's looking, I think he had six or seven. I think he had two sacks last week, so I'm pretty sure he's probably the league leader right now with seven. Uh, and he only has two games played, while well, some guys have three games played. Uh, but he was a demon on the D line. He was getting Sam a lot. Um, but we'll go back. I'll, I'll read the stats. 15 and 27, 189 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. Also had five carries for 40 yards, five sacks, and a pass breakup, and a safety also. Pip, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Saroff is getting a half a day. Um, he definitely had one. Pip had 10 catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. Also had three tackles. Steve Bowen only had one catch in this one, but it was a big one as it was the uh, touchdown that gave them a chance to win it. He absolutely went up and lost two defenders on Michigan State and came down with it. Also had an interception on the day. Uh, Kujit had a 12-yard catch, had an interception and a pass breakup. John Romano had three catches for 57 yards. Um, Anthony had a pass breakup. And Justin Suarez, another big sack for him in this one. Two straight games with a sack for Justin Suarez. Justin Suarez is a vet. He knows how to pull the flag. He knows how to pull the flag. I always say that about Justin. He knows what he's doing out there. Uh, he, he definitely deserves his playing time. And for Michigan State, Sam Allen, 14-18, to 18, 114 yards, three touchdowns, but all in the first half, also threw two interceptions, had two rushes for nine yards. One thing I noticed about Sam Allen when he takes a snap, he doesn't take a drop. Okay. He doesn't, like, doesn't take a three-step or five-step drop, kind of just – Kenshin stands in place, maybe because the ball's coming out quick, but I don't know, very interesting uh, style by him. Okay. Douglas had two catches for 10 yards and a sack, also had two pass breakups and a conversion. Uh, Hassert, like you said, Tommy, five catches, 40 yards, also had three touchdown catches, uh, one sack that was also a safety, uh, which ended up probably being the deciding factor because they won by only one by one point. Um, Zach Bellheimer had a nice 35-yard catch downfield and a safety. Frank Caruso had two interceptions, this, two interceptions, in this one, one being the crazy interception off the line of scrimmage. Uh, Sean McDonald had five catches, 20 yards, also had an interception. Um, TJ, is it TJ Garland or Trevor Garland? I'm sorry, Trevor Garland. Trevor Garland. I don't know why I keep saying TJ Garland. Trevor Garland had a pass in this game for 16 yards, also had an interception and a pass breakup. Uh, and Nick King had a nice 25 yard catch down the sideline and also had an interception this one. So, um, a lot of interceptions being thrown in this game, yeah. This was um this is another really good win for uh for Sam Allen though. Yeah, for sure. Another yeah, really yeah. another really good Sam win. Sam Allen gets to two and one on the season. Uh it's a big start for Sam. Don't want to still want to jinx them, but I'm pretty sure Notre Dame also started two and one and then ended the season two and uh uh two and six. So I, we definitely don't want to see that out of Sam Allen this time. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got I got to put something in people's heads, right? Let's go. Let's go to the one the one o'clock slate. Florida State versus Blue Mountain State. This was the uh, defining moment of the season so far for Florida State, and this was the you know expected get back game for Vin. Dad, I'll start with you. How are you feeling on this one? Didn't get a chance to see that. Oh, game. you didn't? See, okay, uh, never mind. Kurtzman, I'll start with you. Well, you've been hearing my voice a lot on this podcast. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't. This was the game I was I was out for. Yeah, no. Nah, um, this was the first test for Florida State. They knew they were coming in for a battle, and the offense definitely wasn't clicking on all cylinders like they wanted it to, but. There were definitely moments in the game where you saw where Augie knew it was very urgent to make plays because on those certain plays in certain situations, the ball was thrown to Justin or it was ran by Augie. Um, I thought Augie did a really good job also just kind of getting this whole team involved again in this game. He he has a lot of playmakers, so he knows he can go a lot of different places with the ball. Um, uh, as for Blue Mountain State, just a lot of missed opportunities, a couple drop balls towards the end of the game. Um, 
got down to the one twice, and I don't think they I, they might not have scored either time, or they scored once and got one intercepted to end the half. Um, it it was a a lot of, a game of what ifs, and I feel like if you play that game back. Um, the game could definitely have turned out a different way, but shout out to Florida State, man. Wait, they fought through adversity, and on the last play of the game, they were able to come out on top, and there's nothing more you can say about it. Um, I thought Vin was more decisive in this game. He ran the ball well. Um, and I just don't think that they did enough offensively to get it done. They only scored 14 points in this one, and there were a lot of points left on the board, and they're going to be they're, they were kicking themselves when they left the field. So I think they know that they could have easily have taken this one from Florida State and kind of humbled Florida State. But Florida State stays riding high with the 20-14 uh, to 14 victory um, over Blue Mountain State. How do you think Vin looked in this one, though? Did he bounce back a little bit here? Yeah, no, Vin, Vin, Vin definitely looked better. I thought he made a lot of uh, – he didn't miss on – he didn't miss on many throws. He was 15-22 in this one for 180 yards. Um like I said, they just kind of – they started slow. The first play of the game ended up being a sack safety by Matt right after Florida State came down and scored. Um, so, a lot of momentum was shifted towards Florida State. I feel like Blue Mountain State didn't spend a lot of this game on offense. They had a couple of really big plays and a couple of really short drives. Um, Matt Green had a big 40-yard touchdown and – 40-yard touchdown, 40, 40-yard catch. And shout-out to Rob O'Connor because Rob O'Connor went down and hawked him. And on the next play, Vin threw an interception. So – um, that kind, of by Rob. that kind of just shows you the effort play by Rob Akani. And speaking of Rob, I asked him out before the game. I said, it's a lot more fun when you're just playing, uh, like athlete and you don't have to worry about playing quarterback and being a captain. He goes, yeah, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot off your shoulders. So I like seeing Rob in a, in a much more free mindset, able to kind of just be the good athlete he is doing his thing. Um, I, I thought Florida State, I think this showed Florida State that they're definitely, I think Florida State realizes that they're beatable now. Because I think they know they were on the brink of losing. Because if Paul catches the ball in the end zone, uh, Vin's one point a one point conversion away from the win. So um, Florida State gets Purdue this week, I believe. So um, they'll be looking to kind of just beat the wounded dog. But hopefully, they don't overlook them in looking towards games later in the season. I know they have a couple big matchups coming up later in the season, so uh, they definitely are going to want to try to take care of business in that one. Yeah, huge, huge win by Florida State to get them to 3-0 on the season. We talked about it before coming into the week. If they come out of this week 3-0, they would definitely be on their high high horse. Augie obviously posted the meme on Twitter saying he doesn't give a damn if Vin Gargano is the GOAT. That's just kind of the attitude and mindset of their team right now. And I think they think that they're the best team in the league. I think they have kind of separated themselves. I guess maybe you could be considered in that conversation, Wyoming, in that top three upper echelon right now. But um, I think uh, Georgia and Florida State right now, I guess I heard some people around the league saying that they felt like those were the two best teams. So uh, the huge, huge week for Florida State. And you look for Blue Mountain State to bounce back. And, you know, that's another team you're expecting them to come out next week and play really well against. I mean, play really well and play a complete game for the first time all season and and get a victory. Yeah, no, um, weird to see Vin, a Vin-led team at one and two, but I think that just shows that anyone's capable of being anyone, and you got to come out and play your best game if you're going to win in this league right now. All right, let's do stats. Vin Gargano, 15 to 22, 179 yards, a touchdown and interception, also had five carries, 32 yards and a touchdown. Um, was also very destructive on the D-line. I think uh, you're seeing a lot more of the better athletes deciding that they need to go play D-line instead of the bigger guys on their team, and uh, – Vin was definitely disrupting stuff, making life difficult for Augie. Uh, Mikey had one catch for 15 yards, a pass breakup, but also had five tackles, team leading in, on the day. Paul had six catches for 52 yards, but 
two big two big drops late in the game. Um, I know he wants those back, and he's uh, definitely needs um, Vin to continue to trust him as the season goes on. I think Vin should trust him. I think he needs to also work on getting Mikey the ball. Um, Mikey's a good playmaker, can catch and can make plays. So I hope they uh, get it going. Uh, Paul also had three tackles. Vinarina, two catches, 19 yards in a sack. Matt Green, one catch, 41 yards in a sack. Uh, Bryce had four catches, 40 yards in a touchdown. Had a re- two really nice catches, one on the sideline and one in the back of the Bryce end. So Bryce, Bryce has been a beast so far through uh, through three games this season, and I'm excited that he's back in the league making plays because he used to be doing that every Sunday as it was. Um, Rob Samarco had a pass breakup, and Jake Coburn had one catch for 13 yards. For Florida State, Augie had 13 for 18, 134 yards and three touchdowns, five carries, 33 yards. Um, also had a pass breakup and three tackles. Justin, six catches, 40 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Matt Marola, two catches, 29 yards, and a sack. This was Matt didn't, uh, Matt didn't score in this game, but I thought this was Matt Matt's best game uh, in a while. He was making, he made a couple of tough flag grabs on Vin. He had a nice sack on him as well. Um, and he did a really good job protecting Augie. So I That's shout out to Matt. I thought Matt had a really good game. Um, no leg brace Matt is might might be the wave now. He's not wearing leg braces anymore. So maybe he's a little lighter on his feet. We saw that in game one. Yeah, uh, Matt was moving. Matt was moving. Uh, Lebo had a 10-yard touchdown catch. Rob L. had three catches for 50 yards, um, a pass breakup, and three tackles. Joe Ivanak was great defensively in this game. He had two pass breakups and uh, five tackles. I thought Joe has been a staple on the Florida State defense, which is uh, either first or second in the league with Georgia. Um in points allowed, and Joe is a big reason for it. Joe also had a crazy interception in the first game. Wanted to make sure I got that out yeah, there. That was a that interception. Yeah, yeah um, he's had a great season so far, Joe, and I think uh, he's a big he's a big part of that defense with Justin and Augie back there. Um, and then Matt Ivino had a five yard catch and a sack that resulted in a safety early in this game, as well as a pass breakup. All right, let's move on to the last game of the day. One o'clock slate, second game, Michigan State against Georgia. Dad, I'll start with you because this is obviously the game that you watched. You missed the other one o'clock game. Yeah. What was uh, what were your big takeaways from this one? Again, I'm I'm not taking away anything from anybody. Uh, playing a second game of a doubleheader takes a lot out of a team. I thought that. So now, played- now you officially think it's a disadvantage playing the second game? Absolutely. I mean, like I said, if you watch the first game, Michigan State, the energy that those guys put out, especially on the defensive line. And to have them come back and play again, I mean, I would like to see uh, 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 Georgia play uh, a Michigan State team with Douglas on a full tank of gas and, and Belheim on a full tank of gas. And Georgia on the second, Georgia on the second game of back to back, though. Also, yeah, that, that was a blowout game. It was too easy when they got to walk through that one. I agree, agreed, agreed, agreed. So you know what? I mean, if you're in the trenches and you're playing that that type of game, it takes a lot out of you. I'm not saying the outcome is going to be different. I, you know, head to head, I'm probably going to take Georgia. You know, anyway. But I thought that being that it was the second game on a doubleheader, I took a lot out of them. They scored zero points. Like yeah. I said, it's a little bit alarming that they played three straight halves without scoring a point. Yeah, no, definitely. Still credit that to Georgia's defense, though. Oh, it, it, listen, we're talking about Georgia right now. They're a cut above. So. Uh, that the team firing on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. Uh, I can't take anyone from there. They're, they're the class of the league right now. Kurtzman. Um, Georgia just kind of flexed their muscles. Uh, yeah. Not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it necessarily like a, a um, impressive win, but it was convincing, you know, uh, a game, like we said, both teams playing on the second game back to back. So obviously a little more tired, but uh, Georgia kind of just showed like, even though both teams are tired on second, second day of back to back, um, 
we're still better than you. We'll come yeah. out here and get it done. IB was still tremendous. Um, the defense was suffocating. Sam was Sam was disrupted on all sides. Sedano was making plays in the backfield. And um, Georgia has playmakers, man. There's really not much you can really say. Like, I, I, it's going to sound repetitive when you hear it on the pod every week, but this is who they are. They have an insane amount of playmakers on that defense, and they have IB that can get the ball to those playmakers on offense. So, um I think as long as we're talking about Georgia, we're just going to talk about how things that they, they do well. I really can't find anything they do poorly right now. Um, they have allowed six, six, and zero points through three games. Well, I mean, and, yeah, their defense is – it's, it's, The defense scored, is more impressive than the offense. And they and they scored 30. They scored in the, over 30. I think they scored high 20s in this game. But um, I think they were trying to just get out of there in the, in the second half when they were leading big. They had a lot of trick plays and whatnot. So um, – the one thing I will say though about them is that they've yet to play in a game that was actually meaningful in the second half. Mm. So I've played in two very like at games where there was high intensity, high adversity. So we'll see, like, we'll see what happens when they get their first test, you know, like when they're deep in the second half of a tie game, like that's how that's hopefully where it will be this week. Right. Grisman? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will be this week, but that's where the colors of a true team show. So um, they are super impressive and they are definitely a cut above everybody else. They have looked the most impressive by far of any team, um, through three games, two weeks. So there's nothing much more you can say about them, but I'm excited. I'm super excited to play against them. Uh, all right. Let's do stats on this one. I'm not going to lie. Don't have the stats. We will read them on Thursday's podcast. All right. We will read them on Thursdays. All right. Well, wait, before, I know. I know. I'm not wrapping it up. Okay. I'm not wrapping it up. Don't worry. Right, uh, we, let's, let's get, let's get to the picks. Yeah. This week. Yeah. Who was uh, undefeated this week? Were you? I think I was. Were you undefeated? I think I didn't pick a wrong game. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if that's true. We have to confirm that. We will confirm that for Thursday's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Believe, I don't have that. I do believe Tommy went undefeated because he, oh, picked, boy. yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. That's right. Here you go. Take it away. Might not look back boys. See ya. And know. yeah, you know the problem is if, if he, Tommy was if Tommy was undefeated, that means I was back because I'm pretty sure it was two one YouTube versus me on a couple of games. All right, all right, all right. We'll see. We'll confirm for Thursday. Oh, I wanted to, we have two segments, two more segments we have to do. Okay. We have, let's do power rankings and then the Twitter polls to end it. Okay. All right, Dad. We'll start off with your power rankings. You wrote them out the other night. Get right into it. All right. Go we're, from we're gonna go fourteen now. Yeah, one? yeah, fourteen to one. All right. Uh, top. 14 teams in the country. Here we go. <laughs> At number 14, you have Purdue. At number 13, TCU. Yes. Number 12, Alabama. Number 11, Oregon, even though they're own two. I got them at number 11. Uh, number 10, LSU. Number 9, Dartmouth. Number 8, Ole Miss. Number 7, Blue Mountain State. Number 6, Florida. Number 5, Michigan State. Number 4, Texas Tech. Number three, Wyoming, number two, FSU, and number one, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm not mad. I'm not mad at any of that. Kirschman, are you mad at that? I'm not. No, see, like, I, here's the funny thing. I think about big, what Big Cat always says. Lists are literally made to, for people to be mad at. Yeah. But um, I'm only thing I think I'm, I was a little surprised by, I guess I should say, is how you had Texas Tech ranked so high. Yeah, you have Texas Tech at four. Yeah, I do. And I'm not saying the Texas isn't four, but from what I've seen so far, I would I I personally believe that there are a couple of teams you have them ranked ahead of that I think are a little bit um more put together and better on both sides of the ball. But Texas Tech was a good team. We almost lost to them, obviously. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall that. I think that was the only thing that I really like was mind blown by. Hearing a Sobes ranked a Sobes led team at 10 is 
crazy. It's, it's, he's it's just axed though. He's axed though. But, but he has a chance to move up, like as as everybody else. I would oh, have. Oh no, no, but it's facts. So his team is probably tenth right now, which is the craziest thing to say, but it's the truth. I would have Georgia at one, Florida State at two, Wyoming at three, definitely. I'm having Florida at four though. Okay, that's who I have. At Florida, four. Florida would be my four. Ole Miss is my five. Okay. Then I'm going with Texas Tech at six, mm-hmm. MSU seven. Mm-hmm. No, I take that back. I take that back. Give me Dartmouth over MSU. Wow. Okay. Give me Dartmouth over Texas Tech as well. Then give me Texas Tech. Then give me MSU. Uh-huh. LS, LSU, Oregon, TCU, Alabama, Purdue. That's my power rankings. That's my that's my list right let, there. Let me defend Texas Tech a little bit, number four, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I, I love the quarterback play. I, I like I said, he, he takes command in the huddle, strong pocket presence, good leader, uh, defensively cohesive unit. He's got a good offensive line. Uh, Harnish, Latempa. Yeah, Harnish was balling too. Yeah, though, and to me, like I said, ingredients for a good team is a good offensive line with good quarterback play, uh, and they've got that until the teams below them. Shows me that you know they they have that also. I cannot put Texas Tech below them, so okay. I like Texas Tech at number four. Listen, they played you down to the wire, and you're the number three team. Oh yeah, yeah no, 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 that's, and that's why that's how I ended it against you. I said, listen, they did play me close, so them being number four isn't like the craziest thing in the world. Um, I think I'd have Florida at number four. Yeah, just more so. I just think I think Florida. Um, I guess I might be biased towards Jirak a little bit, but I think Jirak is a winner, and I think Jirak uh, teams are going to be competitive and highly ranked in this league okay. so listen there's a lot of yeah. football left to be played to move up the list oh 100 these listen we're gonna look we could look back at this first list of the year and there could be someone like lsu could end up being a top three team by year end once soaps right. figure once they figure it out so tcu as early, well. early on yeah tcu as well early right early early rankings don't matter as much but this is definitely the current i agree like there's a pretty general consensus right now with the current state of the league but i kind of love how um if a team like Sobes and LSU is 10th, I think that shows how good the league is. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the Twitter polls. Okay. All right. I haven't, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the results of any of these except for one of them. Kirsten, my phone is on one percent. So if you could pull up your phone as well, just in case my phone dies here, you have to present the polls. I have that. All right. Let's start with the first one here. Which team of the bottom four is most likely to make a run? Purdue came in at eight percent. TCU at 23%. Oregon was the winner at 43% and Alabama is 26%. How do we feel about that? Um, I like Oregon. Uh, I, I think they're a good team. I, I think they're, they're, they'll move up the list with no problem. I think uh, if TCU can get their shit together, you know, <laughs> I like TCU moving up also. Kurtzman. Um, I'd probably pick T- I didn't vote on this, but I'd probably pick TCU. I agree. Just because what I know about Eric and they have a lot of playmakers that really haven't been unlocked yet. Uh, Prem, Ed, Mike Levo, we haven't seen shades of them yet really this season. So I think as long as Eric is there and they continue to show up weekly and get better each week, I would, pair, I would probably pick TCU. But love Oregon, uh, Alabama needs to get their quarterback back, and Purdue just needs to put together a complete 40 minutes. All right, next question. Which team will be the first to lose? Georgia to play Wyoming this upcoming week, obviously, and FSU to play Purdue. Georgia, Wyoming, uh, FSU. Georgia came in at 11%. FSU came in at 14%. And, Kurtzman, your Wyoming team came in at an overwhelming 75%. So the people think you're going to lose. 
I think I think I think everyone is fully correct to think the IB is the favorite in this game. I think, like I said, they've looked the best this season of any team. Um, obviously, I'm going to pick that Georgia will be the first team to lose of the three un- left undefeateds because I think I'm winning this week, obviously. Um, but listen, I, I know we like playing the underdog role. I felt like I felt like we were an underdog this week with our personnel and we were able to come up on top. So I'm not expecting anything different in week three. Superman does have a kryptonite, so IB's got Kurtzman. That's his kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, three and oh, I'm 3-0 lifetime against IB for you, those who do not know. So, um, yeah, we'll see if it gets to 4-0 this weekend. All right, next question. Is the reigning MVP, Zach Sobieski, officially washed after a 1-2 start to the season? No, I don't know. 50-50 yes and no on wow. 70 more votes. Wow. Now, that's obviously that's some people capping. Obviously some people are capping. That's a lot of man. hate. That's a lot of hate in the that, comment section. That is definitely a lot of hate. I think I think a lot of people are probably snickering under their breath that Soap is having a down year thus far, saying, "All right, like we figured, maybe we figured you out a little bit." Because Soaps has dominated the league along with IB over the last three season, three four seasons. So, um, I think seeing Soaps is surprising at a one and two start, but I think that the, I think that the league is uh, very good, and there's no gimmies any week. So you got to come out and be ready to play every time you step on the field. All right, last one. News or nothing, no poll here. Um, is Spo leaving GSA uh, the the end of, of the GSA empire, Kurtzman? Um, so GSA now only has all players drafted fifth round or below. Okay. No premier, no premier talent. Denoya ha- makes waves each week. Abdul Sakar had a nice game week one. Um, there's a little bit of a curse right now. Augie, Augie had a bad season left them now three and oh spo was was always was on good teams prior then joined gsa and sobs of all people is off to a one and two start um i like the move by spo yeah i think that there is a little bit of a gsa curse but gomes is a great guy and he's a good agent so i'm hoping the best for his players going forward All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. We will catch you guys on Thursday for the week three three preview. We'll see you then. If you're still listening an hour and a half later, make sure you subscribe on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll see you on Thursday. Peace.